It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design with Jason it's at the end of the episode, that's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, October 11th. How did it get to October? And you are listening to episode 489. As always, I am your host, Jason. Once again, joined by one of our lovely, handsome, awesome co-hosts, Mr. Jason Katarski. Yo, 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 yo. Yo, yo. Hey, how y'all hey. doing? I'm it's good here. to have you back. It's weird because hey. I actually just saw you. So yeah, right. We just had lunch together. Um, and this is not us having lunch. That's why the audio sounds normal. Because this is, yeah. yeah. Bonus we were, Jason time. You know, when we were recording our episode together, I mean, when we were hanging out for lunch and the waitress informed us that our money was not as good outside as it was inside. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was we, awesome. They have this big outdoor area at this restaurant. We said, oh, we, we'd like to sit outside. And the lady's like, okay, but if I get busy, you're not going to be a priority out here. Like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Actually, I, when I told my wife that, she was like, did you tell them about what happened to us in the Upper Peninsula in the UP of Michigan? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. So we went to this one restaurant um, and they had like six outdoor tables. No one was sitting at them. Um, but they were pretty busy inside and I was, I went and I was like, Hey, we'd like to sit at one of the outdoor tables. Can, can we do that? And the lady was like, not if you want to get service. And I was like, <laughs> okay, we're just going to wow. leave then. Sounds good. I mean, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, like we wore our masks and people looked at us like we had three eyes. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, I mean, um, I yeah. just saw a map and it was a, it was a, like the entire upper peninsula is red because of, uh, the COVID is still yeah. like going crazy up there. Yeah. The, the, actually when we were there this summer, it wasn't that bad, but, um, as vaccination rates have climbed everywhere else in Michigan or in a lot of other places in Michigan, um, they have not climbed as well up there. And in, also in the more rural areas of, uh, Northern lower Michigan. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Right. Uh, but the nice thing is it's big outdoor spaces. So for the most part, everything we did was outdoors. So it was pretty easy to um, stay away from people. So so there's your Smart. news update from, you know, five months ago. Yeah. Cool. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we like to stay relevant on the podcast. Yeah, we're super relevant. Um, yeah, well, it's, I'm excited to have you back on the show. Uh, and um I was trying to think of other small talk, but I don't, I don't have much. I, uh, I backed too many games on Kickstarter recently again. Um, so that happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, you, what did you back? I don't know. Any, anything everything. like that. So, so I was excited to get my first box of the new Marvel United set. Uh, oh, I got yeah. the first box of X-Men. Um, and it's, I mean, it's just like Marvel United. It looks great. The kids can't wait to play it. Um, so that's exciting. You know, they have really good um, uh, diversity of characters, I feel like. It's not just like a bunch of dude, like superheroes. They've got like, you know, a nice mix of people. Um, and so that's pretty exciting. Makes my daughter very, very happy, which makes me very, very happy. She's excited when she can play cool women characters. And uh, so we're hoping to try that in the next week here. And then we need to get back to uh, regular Marvel United because we still have, you know, like, 80 to 90 odd characters to play that we haven't tried yet. 
Wow. Uh, we keep I keep a big spreadsheet to track it so that I know what we're doing. Uh, another game I ordered recently, uh, not off Kickstarter, um, but that just just shipped. I'm supposed to get it on Saturday, I think, is Kim Joy's Bakery um, oh. from Skybound. So okay. it's based on um, this baker named Kim Joy, who and I don't know anything about her other than I was like, what is this Kim Joy's Bakery thing? And people were real stoked about it. And I was like, well, this has to be an IP because like this just being like a random like game about baking like that doesn't sound like like Skybound does a lot of IP stuff, you know. So I was like, this has to be something, especially with all the buzz it was getting. So she is a baker, um, I think, out of Britain. Um, and I so I watched a few of her videos and she's fantastic. So I ordered the game because it's supposed to be really fun. And it's got like the cards have recipes on them that are like accurate recipes on the cards. Oh, cool. cool. So that's really cool. So my wife was like, oh, that's awesome. So. So we ordered that, and uh, that comes this weekend. So I'm pretty stoked about getting that one. The art looks amazing. I'm looking Doesn't it, up it right now. Yeah. And they're animal patrons that you're making um, mm-hmm. treats for. And it looks it's like a card-based game. Yeah, yep. Awesome. And it's a co-op. Yeah, it or looks... Has, yeah. has co-op features to it, yeah. I um, Like I said, I know very little about it other than it got... It, people were saying good things about it. Um, the artwork was cute. And uh, it seemed like a game my wife and I would like. And that's always just kind of my thing. Like, would my wife and I like this game? If we would, then let's get it. Yeah, I think my just looking at the art, like I can see it has that uh, that game right feel that's very appealing to a wide audience. Like, I think my kids and my wife would probably love it, too. So thanks a lot, Jason. I'm going to have to spend some money on that one, too. (laughs) Yeah, that's what Uh, I always say when I go visit my friend Ken Franklin is like, thanks, Ken. Now I have to go buy two more games that you just showed me. (laughs) Right. Like I, I uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you continue, please. I, uh, I, so my friend Ken, uh, he got the lost ruins of Arnok, um, which I hadn't seen before. Um, but he asked me to 3d print him some, uh, some storage stuff. So uh, I was like, yeah, yeah. So I, I 3d printed and it was a ton like of stuff. It was like, it took me like a few weeks to print it all because it was, it was, I think it was like six full days of printing um, but I just I had issues trying to print it certain ways. So it ended up being like two to three weeks, uh, but it turned out awesome. And I said to my wife, like, he's going to show me this game when I go over there. And I really hope I hate it um, <laughs> because I don't want to buy this game and then print all these for myself. And then he showed me right. the game and I was like, darn it, this looks fantastic. Uh... Um, it's just like this Indiana Jones style exploration game um, where you're like advancing uh, along into deeper in the ruins and stuff as you go. And it just it looks really fun. So I'm going to play it next time I hang out with him. I'm going to play it and then I'll, then I'll decide if I if I'm forced to buy it or not. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds cool. I, I've always I, I'm always interested in that theme, like the Indiana Jones exploration. Like I'm not a big thematic game person, but that theme just is like seems like so good for board games that like, I just want to play it. Like I think about like fireball Island and like the adventurers and they're all like, so far everything I played in that theme is like, yeah, it's good. It doesn't give me like the satisfaction of like watching an Indiana Jones movie. So like one one day I will find that game that really scratches that itch. Right. Um, One that I thought was going to, for me that I've talked about before that didn't was artifacts Inc. Remember that? Yeah. Uh-huh. That was in it got a lot of good praise. Um, that was one of the games I remember debating Chris Kirkman about because he's like, it's so it's really, really good. And I was just like, but I, I wanted a game that made me feel like Indiana Jones. 
And this yeah. doesn't feel like that, you know, like it's beautiful artwork. It's like, it's obviously, you know, the artwork on that game is amazing. And uh, yeah, and the gameplay is cool. But like, I want a game that makes me feel like I'm like, you know, tomb raiding or something, you know, not that I actually think we should be tomb raiding in real life, to be clear. <laughs> uh, but in, in a game like, you know, finding the stuff is fun. You know, it's it's a it's it ties back to our childhood, I guess, of like watching movies like Indiana Jones and stuff like that, really, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The only, uh, the games that I've been, that I've been playing have this kind of little new, like occasional Sunday group with some neighbors and, um, they have varying experience with games. Some's like a regular, I used to have a regular game group. Some are like, yeah, we play games, but like, not like crazy. So I'm kind of always looking for the light stuff. Um, which is fine. Cause that's what I love. And I have tons of it. Uh, but I was surprised by one of them because it was of Vegas, Las Vegas. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it flopped like, which a game that I think is, I think it's so clever. It was just like, um, they're like, I just feel like it's not as exciting as the other games that we've played. Like it. Um, wow. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I even felt it during that play, maybe because it's, we were like chatting too much. Maybe it was because like, it was like right after we played, um, we've been playing push, the, mm-hmm. the little card game which is super simple one, yeah. but super fun and got some great moments in it and the one we've been playing like every time we get together uh, is a new game from game right uh called super mega lucky box by phil walker Harding. yeah i've heard that's really good yeah if you like uh you know that like silver and gold it's Ooh, a yeah. it's uh yeah. it's it's a flip and right game um but it looks like um uh schoolhouse rock artwork like big chunky fonts or like the monster at the end of this book the sesame street book like yeah, that's the yeah. feel the, the artwork gives me um and it's so good it's like there's a nine grid you flip uh you shuffle 18 cards that are one through nine you deal out nine of them for your round you flip a card you f- it's a number you find that on one of the three cards in front of you and you cross it off when you finish a row or a column of three, it gives you a bonus, which is either like circle something on another card, take a token from the middle, mm-hmm. um, or uh, get a point on your scorecard. And like once you get flowing, there's like so many like combos that just like go off and like, oh, well, I finished this one, which allows me to finish this one, which allows me to finish this one. And then I get this and like... Um, there's different, you know, there's like three different ways to get points, you know, like filling cards or getting the most tokens of a certain type or uh, circling enough stars. And like, so that it's, it's super easy to get into. We played it with my eight year old and she loved it. We played it with grownups and we're like playing it over and over again. It's one of those games. It's nice. like 15 bucks yep. and like you just, the value is amazing and it's so exciting. So since we've been playing that, I think that was a part of why like Vegas was like, oh, roll the dice and put them on the thing. Like, right, right. You, it doesn't have the dynamic excitement uh, after playing something like Super Mega Lucky Box. Yeah, I guess the the difference to me is like, um, I feel like the uh, like Las Vegas to me just it has so many moments where you're just like, ah, you know, like it's got a lot of those like where you happen to roll the right number and now somebody's screwed and like. So to me, that's just what always feels really exciting about that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. and that and that and those moments are between you and the other players in in Vegas, like right. Um, which is which is awesome because then you're like you're like hating the person who just like took over that number from you. Um, I think that, and those are probably a few times per round those things happen. I think, mm-hmm. but like in Super Mega Lucky Box, you're you're not feeling that way so much towards other people, but you're feeling those personal like solitaire like cleverness moments almost every turn. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which like that's. I don't know, like when your brain's firing like that, like there's just like, that's a good feeling, I think. So, and I think that like when you play one and then you're like, oh, it's, it's, it's got some moments like, uh, yeah, it's almost, it was like in the shadow of those moments, right? right. which, which yeah. was kind of surprising. Cause I'm like, it's such a good game. Why don't, why aren't they loving Las Vegas? Like, <laughs> yeah, but I, I do get it. And Las Vegas is, is super mean. Like. You know, yeah, we always yeah. joke, like, when you're done with Las Vegas, you might dislike your friends. And I remember I showed that to my team where I used to work, and I was like, they were like, oh, I explained the game. And they're like, this is super simple. And I was like, well, be prepared to not like your friends by the end. And they're like, oh, right, right. <laughs> and then on turn three, it's like, you jerk. Like, why did you do that? <laughs> like, see? There it yep. is. That's what this game does. It makes you want to fight people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is good. Um, always a good thing. So, yeah. All right. Uh, well, hey, I did just buy uh, off Amazon uh, the super lucky fun oh, box. Good dollars. So so we <laughs> both we've made each other both spend money. My uh, mine yeah. is cheaper. So sorry. About oh, your luck. man. Um, so speaking of uh, interactions around yes. the table, we have a topic. Uh, we do we, have a topic. We want to talk about. It's about interactions around the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, good segue. It's like we've been doing this for 489 episodes. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like that. Um, Yeah, we were talking about what, like, mechanic from a game to talk about. Um, and and I don't know if this would officially be on a, like, list of mechanics, but the idea is um, about, like, intuition um, mm-hmm. or, like, reading players. And I think that, like, that... Um, aspect like plays into several different mechanisms, but um, I don't know. I just I just think there's something really interesting where like there's a lot more game in between the players than there is in between the players and the components. Like it's, right, it, right. You're playing. You really are playing the people rather mm-hmm. than like playing the game. So um, let's let's talk about games that do that and kind of try to figure out like what makes that tick a little bit. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to really quick point out is that I think there there are some obvious games, right? Like where you are like even in cooperative games, like the mind is a great example. We mentioned when we were talking ahead of time, like where you are trying to think about what the other play means. Hanabi is another good one, right? Where, you know, you're trying to like understand what the player means and you're playing with the player, not playing the player, right? Uh, but you're yeah. doing oh, that yeah. in a in a way where you're attempting to help each other without cheating, unless you're playing with Rob Couch, in which case he says, why wouldn't you just cheat to win? <laughs> um, but I do think that it's worth pointing out that in other games, um, that intuition is also really helpful. And like, you know, I was just doing a, a prototype playtest with Neil and Kelly yesterday, and and I found myself focusing a lot on what actions did I think they were going to take so that I could set up my next action, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I think I can do this. I don't have to rush to do this other thing because I'm pretty sure they're going to do that. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it bit me in the butt. 
Um, but, you know, I do think that that is involved in most games, like where there's any right. sort of interaction and you just don't think about it. Um, so I want to throw that out there. We're going to try and focus on games where it's a little more straightforward, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did like want to point out that is a thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the, to be a good player um, of games, like it's important to like pay attention to the behaviors of the other people like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that shows up in Ticket to Ride like, oh, like they're building this route from A to B. Maybe they have a route that goes this way so i can like take their behavior there they're not just putting down trains to get a point right now maybe that like is in a longer term strategy so i can engage that um Mm -hmm. and go with my gut instincts you know based on this information they've given me um but like yeah like more like we're like that's like the central thing yeah uh, yep is kind of what we're what we were thinking about like uh like in the in the mind Right, there's a number of cards uh, from one to hundred and something. Yep, one to hundred. Yep. Yeah, we're trying to play them in order, and it, it, you know when to play your next card based on your gut instinct, based on looking around the table at other players and seeing like how tense they look, how uh, how much they're like ready to lean forward and play something on the pile how much mm-hmm. they look slumped back in their seat like because they 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 don't have a good next number um it's about how quick you move to play the next thing like mm-hmm. all those things communicate like to the other players like what you should do in response um right, right. An- another one that's similar to that is this like ridiculous game that i always like love to bring out um i used to bring it out at youth group a lot and it was called meow did did you ever play yes, i yeah. did i did oh it's uh it was uh chris sislik's company uh osmati games yep and yep. like you you drew a card and it either was a cat or not a cat and you either no, said meow or not meow. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah meow or yeah. not meow and no matter what it says you have to say meow and other other people are trying to call you out based on whether it actually said meow or whether it said not meow and if you get caught saying meow when it's a not meow um you're you're out yeah but if you say if you call someone and they show that it was a meow then you are kicked out and the game is simple and kind of dumb right but like in a good way like yeah I so I played the game about five times at Gen Con. I may have actually played it with you. I think so. Um, I think it was I, probably like I got this stupid thing we have to play right now because like I, I, it's so ridiculous. Right. Uh, I remember playing it. Rob was there. Eric Handler was there. Um, but uh, I the the big thing I took away from it, which falls right into reading the players, was I um, I pulled out a meow card, like an actual meow card, and went to put it down. And I stuttered and then said, meow, like almost as if I was reading the card and then was like, oh, crap. And Rob Meany was like, you're wrong. And he's like, it's not meow. And I flipped it over and he got kicked out. Uh, and I did it on purpose. And <laughs> I was like, and that only worked one time, but it felt really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, awesome. I mean, there's a lot of body language you can give off to try to trick people in something like that. That's funny and entertaining. Um, but yeah, like I, I love 
a game like that, like that game is, is literally the simplest a game could be right. Like you have cards that have one of two statements on them, either meow or not meow. And you literally just say meow and like, and then that you see what happens, right? Uh, I think another game that is a, a good deduction game or a social deduction game that has that um, is of course uh, your game um, that I just totally forgot the name of right now. It's like one of my favorite green couch games. Uh, oh, um, uh, Outlawed. what outlawed i kept wanting to say help wanted because that's what it was originally oh, yeah yeah uh called um yeah like that you know that's a game where you've you've got these outlaws and you're trying to play them uh and when you play them you have to follow if you play them um and you want to win them right you have to follow the rules of the card yeah um and so there are so many little emergent things that happen within that game because you've got cards where you like it'll like my favorite one is of course lionel mainsworth uh which is this uh card that says you you have you put him down you have to say his name uh so what becomes the default is that a lot of times people will say his name when it's not when they're not playing it right? right because they want to trick people um and it's just like there's so much reading into uh, what the person is trying to do when they're playing. And really that game is 100% reading people. Like that's yeah. probably why I love the game so much because that's all you're trying to do is read people and trick people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, that, that felt like a, it feels like a, 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 a variation of like liar's dice or bluff. Um, yes. Yes. Where you're like concealing information and you're going to say something about it. And people have to decide if you're telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. Um, which also feels similar to games like the resistance or coup or, or right, werewolf. Right. Like, um, and I think like werewolf showed me this, like playing with Jeremiah Lee. Uh, yeah. 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 Like he, was too good at werewolf like i net like it made me feel like i was the worst player ever because i always felt like he knew everything that was happening everywhere and i could never tell like if he was telling the truth or lying (laughs) so like i don't know what was true i don't know if he actually knew who was what or like he was just really good at like getting in your head um and and those, I think those kind of games, like, just create these experiences because, like, it, it puts your, like, whole body, like, and mind, like, into it. Like, right, uh, the, right. The, the, the stress of, like, am I going to say something stupid? Like, there's the mm-hmm. psychology part of it, right? Like, but then, like, uh, I think that we, we know because of science that, like, our psychology affects, like, our body and how, yeah. like, we mm-hmm. physically feel. So, like... Um, you're in, you you get in almost into this like fight or flight kind of thing where you're like, oh gosh, like I'm going to, I'm going to be go for it. And you just like push ahead, um, and like feel really good when you get by, or you can feel like these knots in your stomach that you're trying to like conceal, um, because you don't want anybody to pick up on like that you're uncomfortable because that gives right. away so much information. Uh, right. like it's, it's just like your mind. And your body, 
are like in this game. And that mm-hmm. that's a cool that's a cool feeling. Um Yeah, I um the other thing I think that in general, like speaking to add to what you're saying, like you can't like you know how some games like when you're playing and like people are just like half paying attention and stuff like you literally can't play the game that way. Right. Like, like you're saying your mind, your body, everything is engaged. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So I think what you end up is you end up with some really real experiences with that, where people are really engaging in a, in a way that they wouldn't engage in. Um, if you were playing a normal game, right. Like if you were playing just a, dice game or something i mean even though yeah, that, dice is a dice game yeah yeah that, i mean that speaks to the experience i think of vegas that i was just talking about right right like, like we were chatting and half into the game so it was kind of like whatever like in this kind of game like even in super mega luggy box like you have to be all in that game or you're gonna miss like okay if you miss that number and what you could do with it like then you're gonna miss out on the experience like when you're called fully into that experience which Mm -hmm. when reading people and intuition is like a core of the game yeah like that's like what immersion is all about like you are right you are fully in that moment and and in that experience well i think one of the things that can make those games uh sometimes a cognitive overload for some people um can be that you know you are trying to deduce other people's secrets while hiding your own right and uh-huh. that can be tough um i, I think of um banana channelized game life of the party that we worked on um and in that game you're basically you are acting out a role a secret role um in a way that you're hoping at least one person will know what you're doing um but at the same time you're trying not to be too overt about that and then you're also looking at four to five other people doing the same thing trying to figure out what they're doing that round and who they're who they are. Um, and that can be really, really, um, that can be really tricky. Like um, you kind of have to start like compartmentalizing to say like, okay, I'm going to focus on these two people and figure out what they're doing and then use a process of elimination to move forward from there. Um, yeah. And that can just be really difficult. Um, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I, I do think there's a reason why certain people don't like social games um, yeah. for that for that reason. They just want to sit down and interact with a game. Um, you know, they're the type of people that really enjoy like, you know, essentially like, you know, two player solo games, right? Or something like that, where you're each right. playing your own game. Um, but you know, you're, you're trying to beat the other person rather than games with heavy interaction like that. Yeah. Where... Like the, that's an analytical person who like wants to solve a puzzle, but would prefer if they didn't have to deal with you trying to solve the puzzle. <laughs> right. Right. Well, they yeah. want to solve a puzzle on a board, right? They don't want to solve a, um, they don't want to solve a, a puzzle within another person. Right. Um, yeah. Trying to determine someone's motives and stuff. And that's, I mean, you see that with so many games. I mean, even old school games like, you know, apples to apples, right? Like when you pick your your funny thing to submit for apples to apples or any of those words on cards games, yeah. like you really um, you're really picking something that's going to work for that person you're picking it for. Right. Like that's the whole point is like, OK, I have to know this person and make a determination based on that. Um, right. 
now obviously there's you can play some of those games without certain people in fact you know like i was thinking of i can't remember the name who's it what's it or something like that um and you're like basically you're taking things and putting them ranking them in order of how you think another person will feel about them Mm. uh and when you're playing the game with your friends it can be tough because like it's still like like you know oh i think katarski would put this first like oh nope he didn't right um yeah but i love it to you what does that sound right by mike perry no no no. okay i can't remember what it is um i have it though i just haven't played it in a long time um but anyways you know it's this system where you're kind of ranking choices to say like oh i think you would put this in this order um but anyways like the idea of playing that with like people you literally don't know and then you're having to just make like you're like okay i don't know this guy sitting across from me but i'm gonna guess that uh he likes cappuccinos uh the most (laughs) and beer the least right like and you're trying to like figure that out um and then they're also doing their own rank, you know. So a- anyways, I, that that idea is very interesting to me. The idea of like, um, because there's multiple kinds of playing the player, right? I mean, when you sit down to play poker with someone, you likely don't know them super well if you're like at a table at a casino or something. But like if you're at some, you know, you're at a poker game that you play weekly in, you start to know those players, you know their tells. And I think there's like this leveling up of like when you pay attention to enough people, and what they're doing, then it starts to become easier to play a game like that with people you don't know, right? To where you say, oh, okay, really quickly, I can deduce that this person is doing this for this reason, you know, that sort of thing. I think it's, yeah, I mean, there's like so many layers to it right. um, that it's a really interesting design space. It, it allows you to design something pretty simple and then let people have a pretty big emergent experience based on... Um, you know, people that are into that type of game. If somebody's not, then yeah, yeah, that's not going to work. Totally. Yeah, that was that was one of the things I was thinking about just as you were sharing that, that like, I think that there is uh, some benefits to those type of games from playing with a group that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that you know something about those people. Um, but also, it can be something that helps you get to know those people as well. If you don't know them as well. Um, but, but there's this whole extra layer there. I think if, if it's people you don't know about like your like level of trust and like your own insecurities. And I think that's what people sometimes mean when they're like, I don't like social games is because I think we have this fear of like looking stupid in front of strangers like yeah um it's like how do i know if you're a safe person how how do i know if i can like um like give you a little piece of myself that like is going to help you know something about me where if it's people you already know like um it's like a that's like it's just like a uh like i'm thinking of like social lubricant like it's just like a thing that like helps you get into the spirit of whatever you're you're doing better um so I think there's like, and role playing games I think are like that too. Where like if you play with strangers, it might be a different experience than if you played with a group that you know and trust. Um, so it's like about um, understanding what kind of experience you want to give people. 
or right, right. Uh, like based on what game you bring to the table. So like if you're going to bring a game like this um, to game night, like think about the people that are going to be playing it. And like if if it's going to be the kind of thing that that people want to do or if it's going to be the kind of thing that that makes people feel like uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something that really is a big thing to consider. I mean, I know myself, like, I tend to be a shy role player. So, like, if I'm with new people, like, it takes me a while to, like, get into the game and feel like um, and feel like I can, you know, be out there with this personality or something. Um, and other people are, like, dive right in. Like, you know, the second you start playing the game, they're like, you know, crazy voice. I know everything I'm yeah. doing. I'm completely selling this character. Um, in, and I think that taking that into consideration, yes, when picking games, but also when designing these games, right? Mm. Like asking yourself, you know, I had, uh, for a long time, I had my rapping game that I, I finally put away, um, <laughs> in that game, like one of the biggest hurdles that game had to jump over was the idea that, uh, that people like were nervous about, having to say the raps when they played them. Right. Yeah. So like that people really just didn't like that, that made them worried and nervous. And whereas I'm like, I'm reading cards. So it's totally cool. Right. It's part of the game. Everyone has to do it. Um, and you know, that, you know, that thing was one of the things that, that I felt like made the game less good was that if you had the wrong group of people, it was incredibly unfun and tedious, right? Um, right. Now, granted, those people would have never played or bought the game, which is is fine. But in playtests <laughs> in places like Unpub, where I was making people do that, um, you know, you just you just never knew what what you were going to get. Um, and that's where I think taking those types of things into consideration when you're designing is really important. Yeah. Um, because if you don't. Um, you could end up, you know, making players feel very uncomfortable or alienating players. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. that's just a design note. Right now we're think we're talking about the game of intuitively choosing the game that you're yeah, going to play yeah. with the people that you have. And I think, I think there is something about that where like people maybe don't like take it to that level. Like I got this new game. This is what I want to play without considering mm -hmm. like what is going to be the best experience for this group of people. Like I'm always, I come down for like, we have guests come over for game night and like they get drinks and snacks. And I come down and I sit at the little table in my basement and I look at my game shelf and mm -hmm. I'm like scanning it thinking what would be the best thing to show these people? Um, right. right. Not do, what do I want to play right now? Yeah. Like, what, what will they enjoy? Right. I, yeah. um, I always used to joke because Rob would like, and he doesn't do this anymore. I don't think, I think he's gotten better at game selection, but like, he'd be like, Oh, I got this new game. I'm going to take it to this party. And then he's like, Oh, nobody wanted to play it. And I'm like, of course they didn't. Like, that's not like a game you take to a party. Like, <laughs> unless it's like literally a game playing party, right? If it's a game night party, then yes, do it. If it's not, no, no one's going to play that. You know? Um, I mean, he wasn't bringing like heavy euros or anything, but he was just bringing games where I was like, like we have friends that play games. And if I brought that to a hangout with them, no one would play this game. Right. Like, so you're bringing it to just like a random group of people. Um, and I think over time he kind of learned the lesson of like, Oh, Hey, uh, people aren't playing these games. Like, what should I do? 
and then realized like, oh, I should bring different games because he'd be like, oh, I brought this game and it was a huge hit. And I was like, well, of course it was. It's really light. You can learn it while you're drinking, uh, which is important if you're going to bring it to a party. So. So, yeah, I I think there's a lot of intuition that goes behind all of that. Um, (laughs) I think for advice for for designing those games are um, one, you know, I think you should really look at other games that are out there, right? Get to know the games that are out there figure out what you like about them and what you don't like. Um, But two, I think for the most part, keeping those games as simple and straightforward as possible is really important Um, because, you know, the emergence of, of like the emergent gameplay that's going to happen with the reading of people and stuff is just, that will make, that's what will make your game. It's, you're basically creating a small space for people to play in. Um, and so that's what you want to do, right? You create this small space for people to play in and then give them this kind of canvas to paint on as they're playing, uh, that will hopefully, uh you know like be easy to paint on right you're giving them the tools and you're saying go for it um and if you give them a half painted picture it's going to be harder for them to finish it than if you give them an open canvas uh with just a few select kinds of paints and and tools and stuff right totally yeah yeah just get the game almost get the game out of the way in favor of the experience um exactly exactly like strip things strip things back that um feel frivolous and um kind of just open it up to like the the like the opportunity of experiencing each other um so yeah so well now now we're going to do something we haven't done on the show in quite a while um uh which is um which is we are going to pitch a random game idea um, and uh, attempt to uh, pitch a, this type of game, uh, a game that involves this uh, on the spot. You and I are going to try and come up with it together. Um, and I was actually seeing if I could find, um, was it board gameizer that we used to use? Yeah, mm. it was. Um, well, I, as we were talking though, I had, I had two, two themes that came into my head. Oh, great. Do you want to like start with that? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, um, I didn't know if we'd have a theme, so I was just going to refresh through some of these and look for some fun themes. Um, but no, I'm, I'm all about it. If you have, uh, if you have a theme, let's, let's do that. Yeah. So my, my, it's, it's spooky time, you know, it's, it's October. It is. So like that fits. I think like those issues of like trust and unsettled, like what's really happening, you know, kind of a, kind of a thing from horror movies, you know, or who did it, who done it's mystery kind of feeling fits well into the intuition thing. So I was thinking like uh, to make it like light and playful, something to do with either like a costume party um, or something to do with like, um, uh, a poison apple or something, or like a, uh, a treat, like in like a trick or treating situation where you have something that's not, um, not good for you that you're trying to avoid. Uh, um, either of those strike you. Yeah, no, let's do the, uh, let's do the costume party. That sounds fun. I like costume cool. parties. Right. Um, on. so all right, so a costume party game that involves 
social deduction or, you know, playing the players. Um, Yeah. So we could do something like um, uh, each player has to somehow design a costume that they're going to wear to the party. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other players are trying to figure out what they're going to be based on some, some knowledge that is being revealed. Um, or it could be something along the lines of, I'm thinking of the apples to apples or like the rankings type of game where like there's several costumes that are available and, um, people are trying to figure out which one you've chosen. Oh yeah. 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 That would be an interesting, um, an interesting idea of saying like everybody has like a group of costumes and, um, yeah, like a, like a small hand of costumes and I'm picking one that I would definitely do. Um, yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. And then you're placing them out and then the person is trying to, to assign who picked what. Um, I mean, I think that the big thing, Ooh. the big inhibiting factor in that is simply that if I get five costumes and none of them are something I would wear, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, um, yeah. Maybe there's like another set. Maybe there's like two sets of, of cards. Like... One is like a characteristic that that your costume has to incorporate, um, like, uh, and that could be in front of every player, right? Like spooky, uh, silly, um, dead. Uh, oh, okay. You know, I see like, what you mean. um, and and those are are face up, right? Then mm-hmm. you get a hand of you know, five to 10 cards with different costumes on them. And Mm -hmm. you're going to look around at the things that everybody else has. And, um, and each costume maybe has a couple like different attributes to it, like silly, spooky, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 And you could have one that you choose for yourself, maybe. Um, and then, you could have one that you put in as like a red herring based on some of the other mm-hmm. cards you see. Um, there'd have to be a way to like indicate which one was yours. So you're not like lying at the last minute and being like, well, that wasn't mine. This was mine. And changing your mind. Uh, right, so, maybe, right. so maybe you have like a dial or something that like, um, or like a, a dry erase board that you write the, the name on and put it face down of what your actual card was. Um, Cause then you're getting into like think and double think, right? Like, okay, well if they're supposed to be spooky, it could be this or this, but that one could also be any one of these players choices because right. it's got this big silly element. Right. Um, that would take some serious design work in the illustration to put, to pull that off. Um, well, I, I think that if you like, yeah, I think that if you had like simple combos, like silly and scary or silly and spooky, um, you know, or, um, boring and scary, or, you know what I mean? Like you could, 
you could combine a lot of things together, like simple or complex, right? Um, so you could have easily have, I think each costume have two attributes. And then even if everybody just put down one, um, you know, the idea is that you're trying to, um, you're trying to like narrow, you make it look like it's not just you. Right. Another mm-hmm. thought would be that because everybody has their things up, you could say, okay, like, so this is saying, this is assuming there's at least going to be like four to five players in the game. Right. I think yeah, like, let's yeah. say five, cause it's not, we're not making this game. So it doesn't matter, but so let's say it's five <laughs> minimum, right? That way okay. one player can always be, um, uh, or maybe everybody bets every round. So, and then it, you know, but mm. so here's, here's my thought. So I have complicated, uh, to my left, you have silly to my other left. Somebody has, uh, spooky, right? So my job is to, I have to play one with complicated, uh, but I also have to play one, but my, the other one, it must also have, um, silly or spooky on it. Cause you're to my left and right. Uh, Oh yeah. So, um, so you could end up with only one person has silly because the people around them happen to not play that. And that's kind of a dead giveaway for them. Um, but you know, I, I think that could be really interesting the really the big thing is the delivery system of like, how do we ensure that everybody has um, the right um, cards? Right. I mean, so one one way you could do it would be that like, um, no, I would say you could you could separate the cards into decks mm. uh, based on like the card back. Right. Yeah. So th- this could work. So the card back, basically, there's a scary deck. There's a silly deck. So every type has its own deck. And say there are five decks, right? Okay. So you give a person um, uh, cards from that deck, uh, and then they pick the card they're going to play. Um, no, that wouldn't work. Well, here I think that that's overcomplicating it. Where we want to, yeah. you know, so so in apples to apples, right? You have a hand of five cards, and they're just what you have. So you have to do your best to like find the space it doesn't right. have to be a like direct linear like well the person i like the idea of like using the people's next to you but like you still are doing your best guess to be like okay if it's it's silly and complicated then this is my best bet but it's not right and the scoring system could reflect on like if they guess it correctly for you you mm-hmm. get a point and they get a point kind of a thing like right, right. like in in dixit right um right. like but not you don't want everybody to guess but you want some people to guess kind of a thing right um, well i think what i was thinking with that was that like the difference is with um with apples to apples it's literally wide open right like what right, you're doing right. is wide open because but if we're going to have some sort of you need to play what is next to you or something like that, then suddenly it's a bit more complicated because in a bit more risky in the fact that you may not actually have what you're hoping to have, right. Or what you need to have. That's was my fear. It was like, that is a common issue I see in games when I'm trying to design something is like making sure that people do have the, you know, what you want them to have is difficult, right? That is like a difficult thing to do as a designer. Um, you know, so yeah, you could, we, we could, we could turn that away from individual cards in front of people and have like 
three attributes in the middle. Play a card that uses two. Um, but you also may not have that. You know, here here is here's a simple way you could do it, right? Um, instead of having static cards in front of you, um, you would. Yeah, so here's an idea. Instead of having static cards in front of you, you would have, uh, well, you would, you'd have one static card in front of you, right? That said scary, whatever on it. Everybody has one of those. Um, and then you also have a card, that uh, still doesn't fix it. But anyways, I was going to suggest that basically you don't have static cards in front of you. I have to, if I play out a card that has scary and silly on it, then I flip over I flip a card over in front of me, right? Out of the list. Like I have the whole list, right? And mm-hmm. somehow I select that my card is scary. My card has scary on it, but I'm not going to tell you what else it has on it. So maybe they do have three, like it's complicated, scary, and silly. Like, boom, that's what my costume is. Um, so when I put that out there, I'm declaring I have a scary costume, but it's also these mm-hmm. two other things, right? So then you're trying to figure out in between what it is. Does that does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. So I mean, it's just not static, right? Like instead of saying like I always have a scary costume, I reveal that yeah, I have yeah, something yeah. from that list when I put it out there. And if I'm the only person that picks scary that round, well, crap. <laughs> you know, that's going to like make it pretty obvious that I'm, you know, um yeah. Mhm. There could be yeah, so like, yeah, you're choosing to reveal some information within right. boundaries. Uh-huh. Um, what if, what if people could ask a question? Um, you like, I say I'm scary, and people can choose on their turn to um, to ask, "Are you are you silly?" You know, or something like that. Right. Um, a little bit like clue, you know, like where you're like, they're, they're narrowing it down. Like they see these four cards that everybody's put oh, in the middle. Yeah. And like, now I know that you're scary, but you're not silly. Um, right. or, um, you're sexy, but you're not dead, uh, or right. whatever. Um, you're not dead sexy. They're yeah. Sexy. So like, yeah, yeah. So like maybe like you, re- you revealing that you're scary ends up being like all the information people needs need right because right. you have the only scary card on the table right now um or um and then you choose like who to direct your question at to ask like one question to get more information and after everybody is either or maybe there's there's something to like you can either review something about your card or you can ask somebody a question Right, so like right. um, everybody plays their card in the middle and then everybody has a chance to reveal or ask one question around the table. Then everybody votes mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Um, right. You could even do a fun little mechanic with like a marker board where I look at the costumes and then I write on it like silly question mark and I show it to you and you either nod or shake your head. And then you mm. now I have the board, right? Yeah. I wipe it off. I write a guess for the person to my left and I show it to them. So like then you're passing the secret information around, right? 
it's only for like certain people that, that reminds me a little bit of dead drop where like there's this like mm-hmm. you're trying to obtain different amounts of information either by trading cards with people or asking questions that they have to answer um yeah and that's that's i don't know i just think about like going back to the theme like i'm trying to think about like other ways to explore that that um that thing like you you want to have a cool costume but you don't want to have the same costume as anybody else right uh, because that would be silly you want to be unique that's kind of what like the the child trope uh you know the childhood trope of of halloween costumes is all about right um yeah not having the same one as everybody else yeah yeah, yeah. right agreed um or maybe there's maybe that's like clues in the middle like like um if i find out that you're scary i remove that scary there's a card in the middle of those attributes Uh and i can pick it up and you said yes so i place it in front of you okay and and nobody can else can ask if you're scary Mm -hmm. um and then even if you don't have perfect information out there it's about like what you spread around and then doing your best to figure out whose costume is who. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, I definitely think there's some interesting design space there. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So we made half of the game, everybody, you guys can finish it. You can be our co-designer. Um, our royalty rate will be pretty high. So, uh, keep that in mind if you want to publish it. The highest. You're also going to have to fully develop the game for us. Uh, yep. Yep. So we're artists uh, and we deserve uh, fair pay. More than fair pay. <laughs> so, hey, well, this was this was a fun discussion to have. I enjoyed yeah. it. It really makes me want to play some. It, it's making me miss people. Miss, you know, like, yeah. like the, yeah. that thing that we get at conventions, that thing that we get from having regular game nights with big groups of people like, yep. oh, man, those are the experiences that like. I just love to have. I love to like be with the people that I'm playing games with. And this is like reminding me of how much I love that after having not played too many games in a while. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, most of the games like this that I've learned how to play, I've learned at a convention the first time because that's just like a breeding ground for playing games like that. So awesome. All right. Well, Hey builders, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you've got any comments or anything, pass them along to us. We'd appreciate that. Um, you of course can, uh, go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can find out about our discord there. Highly recommend you join the discord. Our weekly meetups have been going fantastic on uh, really enjoying those. Lots of people getting a lot done myself included, and it's been really, really helpful. Um, in addition to that, you can email us buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcast BTG at J a Slingerland at Jason Katarski, also at green couch games. Um, and of course you can continue to come back week after week, after week, after week, after week, 489 times after weeks, so many, uh, weeks, so many weeks. And, uh, yeah, but until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends, building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.